This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam, and this is the Out of Bounds Podcast, and today we have Emily Sullivan on the show, um, longtime friend of the pod, first time on my show, I think. Uh, she is a creator, a writer, a photographer, um, and now she's putting together a film. Uh so excited to talk to her. Always excited to talk to her. She's one of the good people in the sport, and I can't wait for people to know this one. I mean, it's it's really, really good. She's a really, really dedicated photographer, creator, um, and writer. I always feel super fortunate to have people like Emily on the show. So thank you to her. Thank you to everybody listening, as always. And Merry Christmas. It's, uh, whoa, my are going nuts in the next room they are not happy with each other um, this is a common occurrence i don't know if other people have two cats but you know one cat is very outgoing one is not very outgoing and this is the situation we end up in all the time it's like it sounds like there's jaguars in the other room so uh once again merry christmas i hope everybody is having a good holiday i don't know if people actually listen to podcasts on christmas um I think people probably spend time with their family, but I mean, we'll see how this goes. We were like debating even putting one out next week. We have a very special episode uh, with the whole crew. So I am very, very excited to see how that one comes out uh, and how it is received to kick off the new year. That is uh, that's going to be awesome. So that's that's pretty much all we have going on. If you have a nomination for a guest of a product of the year, uh, content of the year, video part of the year. We are going to be talking about things coming up very soon, especially on social. So be sure to give us your feedback. Um, anybody you think did something really cool in 2023, hit us up. Let us know who you might be nominating. You can always email me, Adam, at outofpodcast.com, or you can shoot me a DM um, on any one of the million platforms that it seems like at any given time. Before we jump into the episode, I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Pomoka. Uh, Pomoka makes the best skins in the game. I've said this for a few weeks now. I could not be more impressed with the durability of these. I have treated mine like absolute garbage, and they still last forever. Um, I have been a huge fan just because of the ease of use. The skin care that goes into these things um, is pretty minimal. When it comes to like the end user, you don't have to do a lot, and the things last for a very, very, very long. In addition to that, they're very grippy, but they also give you a great amount of glide. They're really easy to pack and throw in your bag when you're done transitioning, um, and they're super lightweight. They have an option for everybody for every type of ski. So if you're looking to up your ski touring game, get yourself a new pair of Pomoka skins at pomoca.com today. We also have our friends from Sweet Protection. If you want to be the safest you can possibly be, please check out a new Sweet Protection helmet or goggle ASAP. The stuff is as good as you could ever hope for when it comes to protection, to eyewear. The The product is incredible. The R&D that goes into this stuff is completely, completely on point it is it's 
yeah, it, it's so good. I think we kind of get the gist here. Sweetprotection.com, self new igniter, new switcher, um, or new pair of Connor Rig Reflect goggles, which is the goggle I'm looking at right now. I mean, shit, I might be wearing them right now. If, I mean, you don't even know. I could be wearing goggles doing an ad read. Um, that's how clearly things seem when you are wearing a sweet protection goggle. So once again, go to sweetprotection.com and get yourself hooked up right now. Safety is key. Seeing is key. And you should sure that you can do both of those things. You have both of those things going for you in your corner right now. Last well, I guess technically last episode of 2023, I mean, maybe next week is, I don't really know how the math is going to work out on this one. I think it's going to be, this is the last episode of 2023. So thank you all for listening throughout this year. I hope to see you again in four and be sure to check in next week because this one's going to be a banger. And without further ado, my friend and yours, Emily Sullivan. Emily, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can take it from there. Okay. Um, I am a photographer, writer, uh, storyteller, for lack of a better word. I live in Anchorage, Alaska on Denny lands, and um, I'm a backcountry skier, and I am also an Arctic um, environmental advocate. Awesome. Uh, how did you end up in Alaska, by the way? Like, how did this uh, yeah, so I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in Virginia, actually, um, with some New York roots. <clears throat> and um, I moved up to Alaska for a job as a hiking guide in Denali National Park in 2010. So <clears throat> 13 years ago now. And uh, I wanted to take photos of like the landscapes and see the place and just kind of like try something new for a summer and then came back every summer after until I eventually lived here full time. Mm. What? What have you learned from living up that way? And less about like philosophically, I more mean like in your career, like in terms of shooting photos, in terms of telling stories, like, is there anything that you've taken from being up there that has changed kind of your perception of what, like what the art looks like? Um, <clears throat> it's going to be hard to not be a little bit philosophical to answer that question. No, you can't be. I, I think... just mean like, no, like I really enjoy like the cold air and like, like, I don't know, like people answer <laughs> like that sometimes. I'm like, no, I mean like in, in yeah. relation to photography, okay. writing and the creative part of your career. Yeah. Well, so, you know, Alaska has um, a very, very diverse community, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, like Anchorage is one of the most diverse cities with the most diverse public school system in the state. Um, it's also native land and it's uh, a place where the native population is very active in decision-making and very um, front and center in a lot of spaces. And <clears throat> I think for me, that opened my eyes a lot to um, what stories we see uplifted across the outdoors in general and what stories of the outdoors are undervalued and um, getting to spend time um, with indigenous people in Alaska on the land and um, in the outdoors really like shaped my perception of, I think my relationship to the outdoors in general. 
so I would say that's probably like the biggest thing that's impacted what stories I seek out and what stories I uplift and what stories I'm really invested in. Um, but I think the other thing is Alaska is freaking huge. Like people, yeah. I think people have a concept of how big it is, but until you're actually here and you're in some part of Alaska and you realize there's no roads to between you and Russia, basically, um, the landscape is unique. It's diverse. We have um, different types of place to engage with. And so I just think it's, there's no way Alaska couldn't change your perceptive perception on basically anything once you've lived here, I think. Hmm. What, is it harder or easier to be working freelance when you're all the way up there? Like that's all question because with this i always go back and forth with people about like should i live where i live or should i move out west like it's and everybody's like oh it's much harder to do it. i'm like well it's kind of <laughs> not really like it is but it isn't like i do it better because i'm here and i'm not like involved in like the life suck that is like a denver or a salt lake or whatever um but i'm curious to hear your opinion on working freelance in a place that is a place like alaska um it's harder. I can say that pretty much definitively very easily because you, Alaska is so cut off from the rest mm. of the U S I mean, physically, right? Like we're far away. Yeah. Um, you have to fly to, to go anywhere unless you want to drive for three days across Canada. And that's like driving three, like 14 hour days. It's not chill. Yeah. Um, so I think from that regard, it's just really hard to network. Um, I have a very supportive freelance community that I've sort of like fostered through social media, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I think that's how we met was through Twitter. Mm -hmm. And that is very real. Um, but at the same time, you're not in those same, you know, après spaces as like industry folks. And I don't know, it was sort of eye-opening just being like in Salt Lake City for a couple of days last year, just where those conversations are happening in person. Oh, I have this idea, I have this story. Um, we have this new product and I think a lot of that happens in person with, with folks you already know. Um, but additionally, like to do a gig out of Alaska, if it's not physically here, that's an added ticket to, you know, fly you out and it's not cheap, um, for brands mm. at the same time, we have a place where a lot of creatives travel up here to do projects. Right. Um, and I'm, it's always kind of amazing to me to see how many creatives are flown in from out of state when we have so many amazing creatives here. Uh, and most like very successful photographers I know in Alaska are just doing local jobs, which means maybe it's not the genre that you necessarily want to do. For me, there's not a lot of local jobs that involve outdoor recreation. Um, so yeah, I would say it's harder. Yeah. No, I, and I get it. I think it's, and even here is different than up there. Like I just, I always feel removed from the community. Cause like, like you said, like you go to Salt Lake and it's like, every conversation is about skiing. Every conversation is about what, what's happening in the industry, what happened on the, and you just lose some of that, I think when you're outside of those big areas, but uh, there's a lot of benefits to it too. Like I, I imagine that's why you're staying where you are, like, because there's like, you like where you live. 
I love where I live and I don't want to leave. I, I will say sometimes I think about, oh, if I wanted to have a successful career as solely an outdoor photographer, I don't think it would make sense to live in Alaska. I luckily have a lot of multi-faceted gig work that I do from writing to photography to photo editing a magazine. Um, and so I'm able to piece things together with not just doing like one genre of outdoor photography. Um, but I love Alaska so much. And I think like, maybe this is where I'll say the cheesy things you don't want me to say about <laughs> like, it's in the cold air. No, but we have these just like incredible long sunsets and song sunrises that have to do with the angle of the sun. We are so far North, like in the winter, yeah, we have like four hours of daylight, but we have like two hours of sunset and sunrise on each end. And it's incredible. Mm. Um, we have, you know, a really long ski season. Um, please, usually, um, El Nino can change <laughs> that, but we get to ski a lot. And the, the terrain and the people are really amazing. Um, so it's something that I wouldn't really trade for um, pursuing a different career. Yeah. I'm curious to hear what things you felt like you've done right so far and what things you feel like you need to improve on as far as making a career out of freelance goes. Um, there's a lot of people listening and there's a lot of people in the outdoor industry. I'd probably more per capita than a lot of other industries go out and be a freelancer of some sort and kind of make it their own life. And I, I think it's the whole, it's the energy around the sport. And there's a lot of reasons, I guess, that people want to do this, but what do you think you have done right so far to put you in a position where you've been able to do this? And then we'll go to the other side of it afterwards. Um, doing right, I would say, is asking other people for input and advice and not being afraid to reach out to other creatives who I admire. Um, because ultimately, um, I, you know, when I first started writing for publications, I didn't go to journalism school. I've always been a uh, writer naturally. It's something that I've enjoyed and been good at, but I didn't know how to write a pitch. Mm. And so kind of getting that like advice from other folks on um, workshopping pitches and some people on Twitter and some people on Instagram who either I reached out to or who said like, hey, you are, you know, expressing that you're getting into this. How can I help? Um, I think is the strongest way to make a name for yourself in freelance because a you're getting you know these soft i guess soft skills that you wouldn't know without hearing from other people um but b then you get folks who are invested in your work and invested in you as a creative and believe in you um which is always great because then they'll you know put your name up for a job or they'll uh reach out to you when they see an opening for you to submit your work to things like that um but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known how to do a lot of the things that I've been able to get jobs in without asking other people for help. What? Yeah, I agree. I think that's the easiest, like we, like any, whether it's like the retail part of my career or the media side of it, like, I don't think I would have ever gotten anywhere in this industry if I didn't like actively ask people questions and try to talk to people and like, let them help me, especially early on. I was like, I was far too arrogant about everything, I think. And I was just like, I don't need anybody's help. I don't need shit from anybody. Like I can do it myself. And then eventually like right. you get, you meet someone that is like equally as arrogant, but knows more than you. <laughs> and then they start sharing with you and you're like, oh, this is really nice. This person just gave me all this information. And then you realize, at least this is what happened for me. It was like, 
it just clicked in my head that, oh yeah, more people know things and it's just talking to people and actually listening to what they had to say. But um, I think that was just, that was just part of it for me. I can't quite relate to the arrogance part, <laughs> but I respect I, like, you for feeling that way. It no, was, I mean, for me, like I, I tend to doubt myself. It's, it's like the exact opposite. Like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. Mm. Ultimately, like I probably do, but I'm going to reach out to three people to ask how they did it before I commit to doing it my way or a combination of their way and my way. And that's just who I am. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, I am very like doubtful of myself and I'm very insecure, but like early on, it was like, I don't care. Like I'm going to push through <laughs> yeah. this and like, yeah. I'm going to just like pretend that I'm this super like aggressive, arrogant person. And I'm never and that goes with not asking anybody for help ever. And then like, eventually you realize like, oh, I'm the most vulnerable person in the world. Like I might as well just ask the question and like, see how it goes because I wasn't getting anywhere really anyway. So, um, but it's just, it's just how it is. So what about, yeah what about the other side of things? Like, what do you feel like you're still actively trying to work on now? Um, because it's a hard thing. And I think for people that don't understand the freelance business at all, they look at it and they're like, oh yeah, you just email people and tell them you want the job and they give you the job and then you move on. Right. Like, I think people sometimes <laughs> think it's that simple, but it's not. So uh, what, what are you still struggling with right now? Um, well, so I, I guess it's kind of twofold for me. Like one is when I have a lot of pitches that go unanswered or rejected or just aren't going anywhere, I get discouraged to the point of not wanting to pitch anymore, which is like pretty much the worst thing you can do as a freelancer. Like you have to be pitching all the time. Um, and so kind of struggling with that discouragement and the energy to kind of move through it. Um is probably going to be a lifelong thing for me because I think I just like, sometimes I'm like, am I cut out for freelance? Because when mm -hmm. I am really invested in this thing and other folks aren't investing in it, I tend to get extremely discouraged. Um, but I am working on that. And the other thing is probably just, um, being more persistent with, uh, so from a photography standpoint, this is probably my weakest thing is sending out my work to brands and saying, Hey, I can do this. And here's the value I bring. Um, I'm very good at doing that with my writing work, like pitching, Hey, here's a, here's a story. It's great. Here's why you will love it. And, um, with photos less so, um, yeah, I think just the consistency of reaching out to brands, cause you're not going to get jobs if you don't do it. Um, For and sure. I think like you said, people expect like, Oh, to reach out and then like get a job. I mean, for me, I'm sure it's a, a different ratio for other people, but I think for me, my like reaching out versus getting a gig ratio is probably like 10 to one. I was gonna I, say, doesn't that's sound probably, great. No, that's like what it is for us. Yeah. When we reach out to a partner, it's like, <laughs> it's funny. Ethan always brings it up as the example of like, here's what is good for us. If we send right. whatever, 50 emails, we get 10 responses and of those 10 responses, one person signs a deal like that's he's like, that is good math because like he sells yeah. houses and he's like with houses, buy a house. It's like you got to send five to get one house that you end up purchasing. And I'm like, this math yeah. is so, so absurd. And I never thought about anything like that until that's how we put it. Yeah. And I think that's where the persistence comes in. That is I, honestly, it's hard for me. And I think it would be hard especially for people starting out 
when you're sending and sending and sending and not getting accepted or not getting a gig anywhere, like yeah. until you get that first one, you're going to be like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Least favorite part about the process is pitching. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what does a pitch even look like? Right. So for people who haven't done it before, it's like, uh, you've mentioned it briefly where it's like, Hey, here's what I can do. And this is why I'm valued. But like, I, what I think the gap is that's missing for people is like, how do you translate hi, here's my work to pay me. Right. And like, yeah. let's be in business together and like, let's make this work because it's really easy to send someone a DM and be like, photo, like, this is what I can do. Call me. And they're probably not going to yeah. call you that way. You know what I mean? No. So that's, that's what I'm curious about. And that's what I think people are curious about as well. Uh, well, it depends what you're pitching. I mean, so for me, like I do writing photography and I'm currently pitching a film. <clears throat> Which one should we talk about? The film because it's current, but yeah, <laughs> sure. I would think, I mean, well, photography is probably the most applicable for people, but yeah, like on a broad scale, but I, I would be more curious about the film. Well, I mean, I'll say this is uh, my first time pitching a film, so it's been a learning process for me. Um, but I have a deck, a pitch deck that's um, multi-page. It tells the story. It shows visuals from um, what the film is expected to look like, both from other films that are inspiration, but also from photos I've taken on location from where this would be filmed. Um, and it, you know, has a very brief synopsis of like, the you know the log line like what's the story um plus some background plus the crew um but the emails that i'm sending like that's a whole other story right because you need to get someone to open your deck and so i think this is like probably what's applicable to all three things writing photography and now this film um is like an intro who you are what do you do where have you been published before or what projects have you had success with um and that's like one sentence so i mean it's like these really brief right Cause you need to get someone from like sentence a to opening the deck and then B, here's this project. Here's why it's a great fit for your brand. And this can't be like copy paste. I mean, it can generate like the, the format overall, but I mean, you have to tell a brand why it's a fit for them, for them to even be interested to open mm -hmm. it or a publication. Um, same, same rules apply. And then, um, you know, here's the hook, like, and here's the value. I think that's something that I'm still, working on figuring out because I'm not a marketing professional is like, what does bring value to a brand? Um, and it can, I think that can also be a challenge because for me, like I really value important stories more than I value like Cindy, like skiing, which I think is also great. But like, for me, how do I get a brand to also value that story when I know inherently like, the, the thing that they want is to make money, right? To have a marketing yeah. hook for this project. Very important news. Like very, very important news. We have a new sponsor for today. Snowmass is a sponsor of the Out of Bounds podcast. In case you didn't know this, Snowmass is the second largest ski area in Colorado with an average of only two skiers per acre which is like the most insane stat that I think anybody could have come up with to put in a podcast ad. Like that's, that's so much. Um, Snowmass lift ticket also provides access to Aspen mountain highlands, buttermilk, which is the home of X games. Um, there's a ton of stuff to do off the slope. 
it's really the ideal destination for any adventure seeker who wants to get to the mountain right out of their doorstep um, where 95% of lodging is slopeside and only 15 minutes from the Aspen airport. So all this to say, if you would like to explore Snowmass this season, please visit gosnowmass.com to discover all of the possibilities for your winter. Um, I've been quite a few times actually, and it's a blast. It's like you almost need to go ski there. If you're a skier, especially in New England, you're like, where, where should I direct my attention to this year? I would bank on Colorado having a very good year this year since it wasn't, I mean, it was a good year last year, but it wasn't Utah and it wasn't California. This year, I think, is the year. I think this year is the year that people are going to be like, okay, it's time to explore a little bit more. So, once again, hit up ghostnomass.com to discover all possibilities. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. And, like, I'm not really a marketing professional either. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know what works and what doesn't. Like, I always have this conversation with sponsors, and it's like, what do you want to get out of this? Right? Is it brand? is it actual like conversions over in a shopping cart like i i and i don't know what the answer is and i don't know what works the best for anything you know and i, I don't right. know how much anything <clears throat> right i don't know how much like you know having your logo splashed on the front of a film actually does i think it has to actually make sense brand and product in order right. for anybody to associate it with them because if you could just like you could get sponsored by target tomorrow <laughs> it would be in the front of your thing and everybody would be like, oh, she just sold out. And like, that's, that's all this is. This is a film yeah, she made right. so she could get a check and then move on. Like, and right. that's how people feel about that stuff sometimes. So it's a really tricky thing because as the person creating it and that's spending all the money to make this stuff happen, you need to take the money when it is available from brands. Right. But it also has to make sense for you and the brand. Otherwise it's not going to work out great for anybody. And I think you know, so this project in particular, it's a, um, it's a ski story. It is about um, an indigenous sovereignty in skiing. And it's about a place that a lot of people go to extract, um, but rather the local people in that place. And so <clears throat> for me, like I'm reaching out to brands who I think will value that story. And I think what's shifting a little bit in, at least from my perception, in the industry is seeing the everyday skier value those stories. And I'm seeing that more and more and more, like maybe I'm in an echo chamber on social media, but like <laughs> there are a lot of people asking for real stories of real people in the outdoors, in the mountains, connecting to land, connecting to their community. And if like an epic ski shot is a part of that even better. And that is exactly what I have with this film. And so that's how I'm approaching it. Like, here's mm -hmm. the value here are, here are the stories that people are asking for. And I can point to, you know, Connor Ryan just put up a, a reel on Instagram the other day saying like, here's how many um, women pro women have been featured in ski, like big ski films from the big companies. Right. Here's how many pro men have been featured. But wait a second, how many of those people were black? How many were indigenous? How many yeah, were, you know, 
and did you read the comments? Because yeah. people are here for that. Like yeah. people want to see themselves, not only themselves represented, but people want to connect with a story. Like they don't, yes, some skiers want to just like watch the epic ski run and the big stomp, like for sure. But a lot of people who are new to this industry and this industry is profiting on those newer folks and those um, more diverse faces in communities being a part of skiing now and what they want to see is more representation more stories more things that matter in these films so i think you know for me like i'm not approaching tgr warren miller like places like like i'm approaching yeah. uh brands who i see doing impact campaigns and having like value in storytelling so yeah what i i great point and i think people are looking for this kind of thing more and more now uh, more than they have been in the past and i think that's the kind of thing that is starting to resonate like something that has a story something that people connect to it's like look at black country journal right like mallory killed it like everybody's been super into it and very different than any other ski film that i've watched in a very long time so i i think there is an ask for it like how do we here is my my question and my debate. Like if I'm looking at this from like the marketing perspective, it's like, how do we do that? And then make sure commercially it gets enough eyes on these, like so that people see it enough, right? Because obviously there right. is that core skier audience that like is really into it. And they're like, you know what? This is what we want to see. We need more of this, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like sometimes like the mass audience doesn't necessarily know what's what. They is missing in skiing they don't know what isn't yeah. missing in skiing they just know like here you're gonna go watch it right like i mean look at how right. many people show up to warren miller films every year and they're the same fucking thing every single season right well i mean i think mallory i mean he he fucking smashed it out of the water like that film was amazing like you said everybody loved it everybody's raving about it and it shows up in a film festival and people realize what they're missing. Right. Like, yeah. and I think that I, you know, I just recently heard this from a friend whose film um, was in a variety of film festivals that this is from um, Judy Kasiyama of color, the trails. They made a film about black women mountaineering and trying out mountaineering people, women of color trying out mountaineering for the first time and the community support that goes into that. And it was like amongst all these other films that were like, you know, the run of the mill outdoor film, like do this cool trip, do this cool summit, whatever conquers mindset. I don't know. But you put one film in the mix that then tells like a real story and people start to realize. And so I think we're seeing more and more people pursuing putting those stories out there. And I really hope that more stories get the support because the response that's being received at these film festivals um on these like youtube channels is incredible i think the another great example of um storytelling from an outdoor brand was walking two worlds by the north face it's about jody potts and Quana chasing horse and um you know they're dog mushing and just like being connecting to the land through their culture like there's no like big expedition there's no big summit there's no big journey it's Quana's journey from being an activist to being who she is today as a supermodel but like the north face funded that film and it's great yeah yeah no i think 
I think people want this and I think it's going to do really well going forward. Like I, I hope more of this starts to happen because I've said it for like three years now, it feels like, and maybe longer. Like I'm just, I'm over watching stuff that is just like ski porn. I'm like, it, it drives me nuts. Like it's not, yeah, it's cool. I would rather 30 second highlight of that particular thing. If I'm going to sit down right. and watch something, I want it to be meaningful. Like I can't, I can't sit down and do it. I can't sit down and watch it. And like, I don't know, like half the time when I'm watching stuff at home, I'm watching it with my girlfriend. My girlfriend doesn't really ski and she's like, yeah. not that into it, into the storytelling. So like, she likes yeah. that stuff a lot. She likes the characters. She right. likes like the people involved. But like, if we just watch like a 20 minute edit or like an MSP film, she's like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't like, it doesn't make sense. I, and I think, okay, I think I avoided your question about like, how do brands make money on this? Cause like I said, I'm not a marketing professional, right. but I think there's your answer because, um, a, a, a piece with a story appeals to five times the audience of a piece that's For just sure. ski porn. Yeah. And you know, then you get folks who want to learn to ski. Then you get folks who want to go out and try this, who want to travel to this place, who want to learn, like become engaged in a different way. And I think thinking beyond like the core ski audience of the last 20 years is like, what is, I mean, we, we know that's what's making money now because backcountry skiing is fucking exploding. Resort skiing is exploding, like everything. And it basically since the pandemic, right? Like people want to be outdoors more and they want to be trying these sports that they're seeing all over their social media, all over their feeds. And I think be, something relatable is what draws people in, not that like, yeah, ski no, porn. I I agree. No, uh, I, obviously, like I think that that's the move. I th I hope people start doing it more and more. I think there was a lot of good examples of stuff that came out this year that people were like a little more excited on, and they were like, like they actually felt an emotional connection to a little bit more. So I I hope that, and it doesn't have to be like all oh, this big like sad or deep film like it can just be funny too right like yeah. it can just be like personalities it's like Katie Burrell's done that for four or five years now we're like right it's not deep like but it's really right. funny it's fun it's something you actually want to go watch and anybody can watch and I think that's why stuff like that has been really successful so I, I think that's what skiing and ski media kind of needs to get out of its own head a little bit and just stop living in that like, oh, sick trick. That'll get, you know, a thousand likes and we'll be able to move on here. Right. And like everybody's guilty of it. I am too. Like we all do the same thing to try to get people engaged with the sport. But if we never do anything differently then we're like, we're just going to be spinning wheels forever. Right. I think the other thing that gets me a little bit too is, um, I mean, I totally understand the wanting to support uh, brands athletes, their pro athletes and their projects. Um, but I think one, one thing that I've noticed and I've also seen some dialogue around is that like, we're seeing the same people in films over and over again. So even when, yeah. um, athletes are pitching projects that are a little different, um, it's still that same athlete who we've seen in a project over and over again. And I don't mean to like say that there's not value there or that athletes shouldn't be pitching projects. Of course they should, but I would like to see brands expanding their support to those everyday people who are also very talented skiers or very invested in their community getting into skiing or have like an incredible story to tell. Um, because I think that is, again, it's just going to reach more people. It's going to speak to more people. And so I think there's 
a value to both, but I hope that brands will start to like kind of have a pot for both in, in some regards. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let me ask you about print. What is, as somebody who contributes to a lot of print, um, magazines and what is going on? Like there's like a new mag every month or like somebody doing something different. Like it's coming yeah. back, like it's coming back big time. Um, and I, I don't know why, I don't know what it is. And I'm, I'm very curious to hear your opinion on what, uh, what is going on, especially in outdoor sports. Yeah. Um, dude, it's a good question. Like, I don't know where all these people are like, basically I don't know where people are coming up with the funding to start launch all these projects, but I am here for it. Like, it's great. People love print for so many reasons. Like a, you can appreciate a photograph so much more in print than you can <clears throat> viewing it on your screen. And I think that's like one reason for like skiing in particular that print magazines are just so valuable, like having those tangible pieces in front of you. And like, a lot of times in really great ski photos, like the skier is tiny. You can't see that shit on Instagram. You cannot consume that through a small screen. It has to be on a bigger format. Like, so I think that that's part of why ski print has partially stayed alive. I mean, it's, it's weird, right? Cause you have like powder clothes and then reopen, you have like the ski journal kind of staying through it. You have and then you have like magazines going to online only, but new print magazines coming out. And so I think like those magazines that are more of the like advertising model, and I've heard you talk about this before, like those have moved to the online yeah. realm, but then like, I haven't seen hard pack yet, but I saw you post about it and it looks sweet. Like it, it looks, looks awesome. artistic. They're making yeah, no money it, yet though. They're making zero money. Right, They've I'm only sure. lost money. Like they're not taking on sponsors for the first three mags that they put out. Like they're, and they're being that's very a piece particular. Of art. It is. And, like that's and what me, people I want tell on their property. Right now it is the most beautiful magazine I've picked up in hand in a very long time. Um, it is really nice. There's no like shitty ads throughout it. It's just like beautiful photography. Very cool. I was super super impressed with the way that they're doing things um and they have a vision like they want to create this thing that people of from all walks of life can actually feel like they're up tell those stories more yeah. than just the same old same old all the time and i think it's it's really rad like I actually reached out and was like hey have this dude on because zach is like trying to do this different thing and he was like i went to a party for their launch and he was like i've never heard so many different languages being spoken in the same room hell yeah and i was at a outdoor ski industry event and i'm like that, that it doesn't compute so yeah. like obviously like had him on for that reason because i thought that was really cool and the product is rad but yeah I, I i don't know there's there's a lot going on in print and uh like i posted last week like free skier with 63 ad like ads out of 130 page yeah mag and like somebody responded and like somebody who really respect the opinion of and was like hey like we can't make money like this is how we have to keep the mag alive at this point and i while i agree with that like to an extent i think there's something broken with the model or the way that the product currently is if that's how much advertising you need to sell in order yeah. to keep it because i mean you figure 
right? 2,500 bucks for a full page spread is like very much undershooting it, I think. Um, who knows? But that would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's where that, that's where this gets really interesting to me because all of the new magazines that are launching are no, are no ad magazines or low ad magazines. Yeah. Um, Ori, Hardpack, uh, Trails Magazine, which I work for, I'm the photo editor. Like these are all valuing the story and the art yeah. and not the ad space. And so people are valuing the magazine in a different way. And I think that the magazines that have, I mean, this is my view from a, very particular perspective but i think the magazines that have devalued their own content to 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 make money off ads or to just make money off of like listicles and all this like bullshit that people don't actually care about reading have devalued their product um and that's not per like that's not to call out any particular publication but like we've gotten so much feedback from trails like we get emails from like random people who are like I haven't subscribed to a magazine in a long time and I am loving this. Like they're reading like newsy items, but they're also reading amazing writing. They're reading essays and they're getting like the best photos about backpacking and overnight trips in the outdoors. We, we go beyond backpacking to also like overnight river trips, ski trips, bikepacking, whatever. Um, and, and people want to pay for that because they're getting also exclusive content that's not available online. So I think that's like part part of the model as well is just saying like you can actually only read this if you subscribe or buy an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I respect that part of it. I think that that's like that's a really good thing. I think if the content's all available online, then what's the point in buying it? You know, like it's just yeah. not you don't need to physically hold the case, I think. And that's right. I told you one of the things that I respect about Mountain Gazette is like they'll never put the article even if they burn people <laughs> yeah. even if they just fry people up and serve them to the public uh they get to hide behind the wall that is uh paper like i actually really respect the fact that they can just be like look you gotta buy the mag like it's actually yeah. the the most it's probably the thing i respect most like it's really good to be able to just like hold your ground i'll be yeah. you know at the <laughs> I like the ski journal. Yeah, I I like that the ski journal does uh like one or two articles per issue online because then folks yeah. can get a taste of you know what they would get if they subscribed. Um, but ultimately, like you have to get a copy of the magazine. As a writer, sometimes it can be frustrating, right? Like you're like, I want to sh share my work with the world through the internet because that's like how we share work now. Um, but I do value being in print and being on those pages and people's mailboxes i think it's it's really special yeah no for sure um last thing that i want to ask about is what what's going on in alaska how is the season starting like how how is the skiing currently like i i have a lot of questions and this sounds like a very generic like how is the weather question <laughs> but it's not just that i'm curious because it's been a mess everywhere. Like everybody is having a very odd start to the season. Yeah. Like, Vermont was crushing. And now like I just posted this video of like, I don't even know how much water like flowing through downtown yeah. New Hampshire. Like it's completely fucked. So I, yeah. I'm very curious to see how things are much further north. Um, well, right now they're good, but I mean, we've had a weird season too. Like we had a ton of snow in November. 
record-breaking November, like historic, uh, followed by a long period of like rain and warm and all that snow melted and it was terrible. Um, luckily we didn't have any flooding or anything. I remain concerned about that this winter being El Nino, like we're supposed to be warm and dry and we have a ton of snow right now. We're at 148% of SWE for this time of year in Turnigan Pass. <clears throat> so it's great because, uh, the alders are, are lying down. They were lying down in November. Normally like that is not the case and it mm. makes a lot more terrain accessible. Um, but I think I'm just taking it all with a grain of salt because El Nino is terrifying. And in the last... Well, climate change is terrifying and it makes El Nino <laughs> terrifying because of the exacerbated effects of it, right? So like if we get a really warm spell and we get a lot of rain, like I could see flooding being a major issue here. Um, but that said, right now it's good. I skied like way too deep powder yesterday where I had to like straight line through anything under <laughs> 25 degrees. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm very jealous. I've skied one, two days, two days so far, mostly because like, I'm not super motivated to go out and just ski yeah. mid conditions or go hunt for it early season. Like, I don't know. I've kind of gone, what's going on with this camera? Um, I'm kind of over it at this point, like the early season hunt, but yeah, at, at least for this year, like next year, maybe I'll reset and I'll be in a different place. But for right now I'm good. No, I'm with you. Like for me, I, I get excited to go skiing for the first time for sure. But I'm also like past the point of like putting my skis on my backpack to go ski like the everyday terrain that I'll be skiing all yeah. winter. Like it's one thing in the spring. Hell yeah. I'll hike to a line when it's like something big out there in the spring that, you know, is like set up with a corn cycle and you're going to be able to ski it and it's going to be awesome. That's one thing. But like early season when you're like carrying your pack, your your skis on your pack to probably like shred them on rocks and pick, maybe tear your ACL. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. I'm not about that life. So yeah. But we we're, we're well past early season conditions, so it's it's good. And um, the struggle this time of year is like getting work done and being able to ski. Like that means skiing as the sun is going down because it sets at three thirty. Um, so our, our ski days are short, but they're good. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it as always. Um, if people want to support your work, if they want to find you on the internet and be your friend, how do they, how do they do that? Yeah. My website is ejsullivan.net and my Instagram is at emelex, E-M-E-L-E-X, high school nickname turned Instagram handle. <laughs> really rolling with that one. Um, but yeah, look me up and uh, I... You know, I guess I will say like early in the show, I talked about getting support from other creatives um, early on in my career. And I, it's really important to me to pay that forward. So if there are folks listening who are freelancers who want to ask questions about pitching, et cetera, hit me up. I will do my best to reply. Um, you can find my email through my website. Um, that'd probably be the, the preferred way. So awesome. yeah, love to pay it forward. Sick.